evening and welcome to LLS and Fumar Takes. This is our 232nd take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. We're punctual for once. We actually started on time. It obviously has nothing to do with uh, me and has everything to do with our guest tonight. Uh, absolutely fantastic to have this gentleman back. Before we get to formal introductions, though, I have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Uh, Drew Estate has done it again. They have brought back one of the industry's favorites. The new Undercrowned Dojo Dogma Maduro celebrates Cigar Dojo's 10th anniversary. Yes, our good friends over at Cigar Dojo and Smoke Night Live, Eric Katormson and Jordan Katormson are celebrating 10 years in the industry. Drew Estate has announced that it will begin shipping an all-new limited edition Undercrowned Dojo Dogma Maduro in December to help Cigar Dojo, one of the most trusted online cigar review communities, uh, celebrate its 10th anniversary for 2022. Ten years ago, the Cigar Dojo was born, a new unique platform where cigar smokers all over the world can enjoy fine smokes together, says Eric uh, Gatormson, Cigar Dojo's owner and master sensei of the Dojoverse, says, to celebrate this monumental occasion, we'll have once again partnered with Drew Estate and created a very special cigar that represents who we are, what we stand for, and why we love this culture. Like Cigar Dojo itself, Underground Dojo Dogma is a cigar created by, for, excuse me, by cigar lovers for cigar lovers. So congratulations to our good friends over at Cigar Dojo on 10 years. And uh, look out for one of my favorite Vitolas uh, in the line, actually. Uh, but this is a new limited edition Vitola in keep an eye appeal for it because I have a hunch it probably won't last long. So check that out. Uh, from Drew Estate today. And welcome, everybody. This is our 232nd take. Without further ado, let's welcome in our guest tonight, who's sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke wins today. Start Living United. Mr. Ram Rodriguez of Artista Cigars. Ram, welcome back, my friend. How are you tonight? Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Very, very good. Happy to be here again. And we're happy to have you back. Thank you so much uh, for, for agreeing to be on. I know... Uh, I know you've got a family. We were talking a little bit about it um, before the show and everything. And, and it just, uh, it means, it means the world to me that, you know, guests will, uh, you know, sacrifice some of their Sunday night just to, just to have a conversation with me. So I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you, man. So we were talking a little bit about this before the show kind of kicked off and everything. And, and uh, you were saying, obviously, like you, you live in the Dominican Republic where it's, you know, it doesn't get cool like it does here in the United States or even in the further north of me. I'm from Texas. It's not like we get snow very often, but uh, certainly more often than you. <laughs> Have you ever had snow in the Dominican Republic? I know it's a stupid question. Never. Man. Never. No, never. Never is the word. Okay. So there's actually two places where it gets below freezing points on the island. And the okay. only two in the whole Caribbean. One is Pico Duarte, which is the highest mountain on the Caribbean, but it's kind of hard to reach there. But we have, uh, it's called uh, Valle Nuevo, New Valley. Uh, it's the highest valley on the Caribbean as well. Uh, my friends went camping there two weeks ago. I was, unfortunately, was not able to make it. But while they were there, it was minus five, which is oh, wow. like 25, I think, yeah. in Fahrenheit. Yeah, uh, so it gets below freezing a couple of times a year up there. But there's never snow. Uh, it there's no snow because uh, if it's cloudy, it won't get below freezing point. 
uh, because the clouds hold the, the hot weather below. Uh, but if it's, it's not cloudy, uh, all this cold weather uh, enters and it gets really, really cold. But then the sun comes out and it's hot as hell, as always. <laughs> that's great that's crazy that there's only there's two but that's interesting that there's two places specifically on the island that actually get that cold which is interesting um but yeah we're we're talking a little bit about it like how uh you know our you know the traditional christmas that's like viewed in storybooks and movies and everything is like the snow covered everything and obviously you've never really experienced that but what Talk, talk, what are what are some of the Christmas traditions that you grew up as a kid? You know, grew up as a kid, and then are obviously passing to your children. So here, uh, traditionally, things have changed a lot. But I remember when I was a kid that it was not Santa that brings you the gifts; it was Baby Jesus, actually. Okay. So, so that's a little bit different. Uh, other than that, uh, uh, it's basically a whole party. All from the beginning of, of December all the way to mid-January, more or less. So our Christmas is a little bit longer than, than yours. Uh, the food is completely different. It's basically roast pork at least once a week. There's always a celebration and a party. And when I was a, a, a teenager, uh, my favorite thing was we call it mañanitas. Mañanitas means little mornings which is basically uh, like a caravan of, of cars uh, riding through the city with music and a lot of drinking going on as well. <laughs> and it is until the sun comes up. When the sun comes up, it's done. You know, like you're done. Go home. Uh, that, that's really fun as well. So, so yeah, we, we have a lot of uh, traditions here. And, yeah, I mean, they, every place does, right? Yeah. Ours are just different, you know. For us, in the TV, you always see everybody wearing, you know, the cold. It's cold outside, a big jacket and all of that. That doesn't exist here. But uh, other than that, it's, it's beautiful, you know. All the family together and, and a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, I've, I've, it's interesting that uh, that uh, it wasn't Santos, baby Jesus. That's a uh, that's an intro. That's diff- that that certainly is different than obviously the way I grew up and everything. Uh, but we had we had an interesting story too growing up. I mean, I grew up with uh, my grand my grandmother told me like these these like like if like when I look back at it like like they were pretty pretty haunting stories. Like uh, I mean, she told she told me the story about La Lorana about you know the the, the yeah, mother yeah, yeah. Who, yeah the mother who lost her children. Uh, and then, but she also around Christmas time she would tell me about Pedro Negro. So in Mexican culture, uh, Black Peter was um, was also a character during Christmas time, and basically he was like the bad side of Santa. So if for bad kids, that he would basically a couple of weeks before Christmas time he would leave a a toy donkey on your windowsill, and if you had this toy donkey, basically you had you know a couple of weeks to like you know become good <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if you didn't so on christmas day you either either black peter took you away and you know no one ever heard from you again or you actually were good and you got presents from santa so yeah um uh it was it was a great it was a look looking back it was she did a really good job of it she made it really fun still kind of scary but not like you know 
as, as terrifying as it might sound to, to a five-year-old, but um, <laughs> she just did a really good job with it. Made it, a little, made it a lot of fun and stuff like that. I, I, um, my wife asked me, she's like, when are you going to tell, when are you going to tell our kids the, the story of black Peter? I'm like, I don't know if I could do it uh, justice the way that my, my grandmother could, but uh, I was like, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it a whirl. I said, but if I, cool. if I, give, yeah. give it a try, man. I was like, yeah, but if I scare the shit out of them, that's that's on her because she wanted me to do it. So. <laughs> I had no idea that there's a Black Peter in Mexico as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh man, well, well, again, Rand, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, really looking forward to it. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to smoking a cigar. What, what are you smoking tonight? Uh, I'm a factory. Uh, uh, a mono, you know, like like a rigid from the factory. Honestly, I have no idea, but it's a very good cigar. I, don't, I have no idea why he got us a rigid. Uh, okay. Yeah, I saw it here. I was like, yeah, I'll give a try to this one. I have a Buffalo 10 next to me, too. Okay. This is going to be my second one. <laughs> I don't know if it was a test blend or, or something like that, but that's that's cool. All right, well, I've got a couple of choices tonight, uh, Ram, and I would really like it if you would actually pick uh, one of my, my first cigar for me. So I've got five choices. I've always got like you, I have a Buffalo 10 always nearby. This is the Connecticut, by the way. So you know how much I really like these. Um, and then I also have a, uh, a harvest and a midnight. Okay. And I also have the paper boys, the Connecticut and the Maduro. So you which... should definitely go with the Artista. Those ones are almost ready to be released. We promise in fall. This is still fall, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we, yeah, we, it's fall in te- it's fall in Texas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't specify fall in what part of the world. So there you go. <laughs> maybe it's gonna be fall in Australia. <laughs> so they honestly, I'm I'm crazy about the harvest. So okay. if I get to choose one of those, I will definitely try that one. Okay. Sounds great. Let's do it. Well, um, all right. Well, that, uh, that let's, uh, that's, uh, obviously going to kick things off here. And as I'm kind of pulling everything up here, but uh, that'll kick us off into tonight's major point, which is always brought to you by protocol cigars. Tonight's major point is brought to you by the people. Yes, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. Behind the fun is a motivation for her service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. Uh, so, um, so Ram, this is uh, this kind of kicks things kicks things off into what we're going to talk about tonight. I do want to talk about the, the the new branding. That's I think that's a that's really an important story to touch on. Um, but uh, you chose the harvest for me, and then the other choice is the uh, the artista midnight. Uh, now, these were two cigars that you uh, you all had displayed at this past year's PCA. Um, and I, I, I remember, I, I don't know if you remember this, but I mean, I was so impressed. I could not believe, and I told Kevin this, I could not believe that the boxes were just prototype. I thought they were, I thought they were beautiful. I thought they were absolutely gorgeous and everything. So I know they're going to look a little different once they get released to stores and everything. But uh, um, tell, tell, since I'm lighting up the harvest and everything, why don't we talk a little bit about this blend? 
So that blend is the first out of Artista portfolio that has uh, Sumatra Ecuador wrap, wrapper. Uh, it's a fantastic cigar. Uh, the Sumatra adds a lot of uh, sweet notes to it. And the blend we, we uh, create with this one, with the fillers, are 100% Dominican. Uh, it's a very, very good cigar. Uh, there's this special tobacco in there that I swear my father, I will never give way too many details of it. But I fell in love when I tried that tobacco for first time during the pandemic. And this is the first official release that we are bringing with that tobacco in particular. So I'm very excited about it. I, I hope uh, you and you know and everybody out there that is gonna try our new artista line enjoy it because uh, for me it's something very very special. So the the the, the special taco tobacco that you're talking about is actually is actually in the filler, correct? Is that? It's in the filler. That's okay. correct. And is it is it Dominican? I know you said you can't talk too much about it, but is it Dominican tobacco specifically, or is it is it from outside the Dominican? It's a Dominican tobacco. Uh, it's a tobacco that is not grown in a, a traditional a, a growing area, tobacco growing area, at least for this kind of, of, of tobacco, like dark air cure. And it's just a special, man. It's, it's just different. Uh, I've, it's been out there for so long and nobody paid, like realized the other potential that tobacco has. One of the reasons is it's very, very oily, and it takes forever for it to ferment properly. So you really need to have a lot of patience to, to work with, with a tobacco like that. Uh, for us, uh, we've been playing around with that tobacco uh, for a couple of years now, and we felt confident, like rough, during the pandemic, where I was basically all by myself in a big-ass tobacco warehouse in the factory trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my life because, every, you know, there was a big lockdown. Um, I fell in love with it. And uh, we start uh, processing more of the tobacco just to get ready to make an official release uh, of this product. So hopefully, hopefully people get to enjoy it the same way I did, you know, playing around with it. So... Um... I, I don't want to get too far off topic, Ram, because I, I want to come back to this. But that that brings about an interesting story. So, like, or, or an interesting question for me. You know, when you're when you're in the factory and you're, you know, you're, you're trying out, you're constantly trying out tobaccos, different stages of where it's at in fermentation. You know, making sure that things are right and everything. How I mean, how frustrating is it? Like when you smoke a tobacco at a certain point of age, and you're like, "Wow, this is really great! I really, I'm really thinking I want to use it." And then six months later or a year later, the tobacco completely changes, and it's just, it's just not what you, it's not what you were expecting. Like, how frustrating is that uh, from just from like a blending standpoint? It, it kind of is, but uh, during all the fermentation process uh if you got, have a little bit of experience you kind of are going to be able to predict what's going to happen with that tobacco obviously okay. there's always a wild card you know like you cannot even imagine how many cigars i made like oh my god this is the best cigar i've ever blended in my whole life and a couple of months in the aging room later it takes like like nothing like like cardboard 
that happens as well, but it's not that usual. If if you know like all the the uh, uh, the different things that that can tell you whether it's gonna be a good cigar or, or not. Yeah, that, I have to imagine that you know I like, I've heard that from certain people that like after a while like even in cigar form, like you, you make it all that way. Like each tobacco component, it comes together, you put it in cigar form and then the same thing happens. Like you, you put it to set aside to age and then it, it still, it still comes out different. And uh, it just makes, it just makes your job so challenging. And I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of people think, uh, you know, kind of really take for granted, like how, how difficult this is. Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, there's no way I could do it. I mean, I mean, I can just, I can just enjoy them. <laughs> yeah. but, absolutely and I, and I completely understand you know what's, what is the most frustrating part when you have a very good cigar and you want to create a new size that's uh, usually horrible to do it's so hard you know like because obviously people already know the cigar and you want to make sure it's the same experience in order for you to achieve that you have to play around way too much just to make sure that on that ring gauge is gonna taste more or less the same. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just way too hard. Uh, I always tried, you know, from the beginning. Okay, so these are the sizes we're gonna have, and this is how you know, like uh, maybe there will be another release in the future, which is gonna be this one. We already have it right here, you know, but out of the blue, like oh, tomorrow let's make a new Buffalo Ten Lancero. I'll be, you know, like, oh, hell no. <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> I think, um, you know, and I'm smoking the Harvest right now, which is also a box press. And, and you know, I, as you know, I'm a big fan of, the. speaking of Buffalo 10, I'm a big fan of the Buffalo 10. And that's a box press too. And that's, uh, um, I think that's something that, that, that you've done incredibly well. Because I know that, to your point, that's not easy. It's not the same as like this cigar as a Parejo is not the same. Like there's different components. Like you, you had to add or subtract here and there to make sure that it actually uh, burned right, smoked right, tasted right. And uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, it's something that not every, you know, unfortunately not every manufacturer can do box pressing. I think is a little, another thing that a lot of people take for granted. They think, Oh, you just take the cigar and you press it. I'm like, no, it's, it's not that simple. Um, but, uh, but I mean, even I don't know. I mean, so, um, so I've heard, I've heard different schools of thought on box pressing. Do you, do you take to, do you take tobacco out or do you just rearrange them so that there's more airflow? We take tobacco out, but there's another thing that we do in, in, when, when we know we're going to box press a blend. Usually I don't, when I'm blending, I'm not blending a box press because that just takes much more time that, uh, sometimes you don't have it, you know, you just want to create a cigar with a specific cigar profile. So box pressing every single time that you want to try, it's going to take forever. One of the tricks that I have is the wrapper. I use uh, different cuts, like a different yield of the wrapper. Uh, when it's a, a bigger cigar, uh, like a regular Vitola uh, versus a box press. Uh, because at the end, when you have a box press, you have a little bit less of the filler. Uh, and if you do have less of a filler, you're going to be a, a tasting technically a little bit more of that wrapper and binder. 
uh, in percentage wise. So I play around with the yield in order for, for me to achieve the same cigar that I smoke on a Bitola uh, to have the same taste on a box press. That's one of my little secrets. Uh, a lot of people, they, they don't like uh, removing a little bit of the fillers. Uh, it all depends how much you want to press it. Uh, uh, in my case, like for example, Buffalo 10 is kind of flat. In order for you to achieve that, you need to to take a little bit of that filler out. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, all all three of them: the Maduro, the Natural, the Connecticut. Just they burn so smooth, and like it's it's really incredible um, when you think about that. Just completely because I mean, like you said, they're they're. I mean, even as as opposed to like the Harvest, which I'm smoking right now. I mean, they are flat. I mean, it is truly, yeah. it is truly box press. I mean, there's, there. I mean, would you characterize the harvest in midnight as is more of a soft press, or would you still call them box press? Uh, I'll call it like box press. It's just a different. Uh, the trays that we, we use to box press, they are the midnight and the harvest are different to so the ones where we press in the buffalo tents. All right. All right. Well, um. I know we kind of went down the rabbit hole a little bit, uh, but I kind of wanted to, I wanted to ask a couple of those questions, but I also wanted to give myself a couple of moments to get a couple of uh, inches down or at least an inch down here onto the harvest. And um, I mean, this is one of the ones that you handed me at, at, at PCA this year, Ram. And this is, uh, I mean, this is, this is terrific. This is absolutely terrific. Um, I mean, right from the light, it describes your attention and uh, um um, I have this, uh, I, I talk about this, I talk about this a lot when it comes to cigars. Like I have this, um, this desire for, uh, the, what I call the perfect draw, like no cigar is perfect, right? At least I haven't found one yet. That's absolutely perfect, <laughs> but they're really, really good cigars. Um, but there are perfect draws and the perfect draw for me is just like a draw that has like a slight resistance to it. Like it's, you know, just not, not tight, but not was like wham smoke and yeah. this this has this has the perfect draw it's just a little bit of resistance but you get a lot of smoke out of it it really cuts the palate and it's just a really really fantastic uh flavor so far um this is um this i mean i think the i think the tobaccos that you use and everything have really married well in the last few months and everything so when um i know we were kind of joking about it a second ago when uh but but when uh, I know you guys were trying for the fall and still technically here fall here in Texas. So uh, but yeah, when, when, when are you expecting the ship, uh, the harvest at midnight? So we are actually packaging the first batch as we speak now. Uh, hopefully within two or three weeks, we're going to have the products in the warehouse. and ready to ship. Perfect. Just in time. Not for Christmas. Wood, Just in time for Christmas. Exactly. So, um, I mean, the cigars were obviously ready. Um, what were you, I mean, and we've been hearing about all these logistic issues all throughout the industry. Was it, was it the boxes? Was it the labels? Was it all of the above? What, what, uh, what all of the of- above. <laughs> so label was the main issues right now. Uh, uh, mainly, uh, at first I thought boxes were going to be the issues, which were delayed, but the labels were delayed even more. So uh but they finally arrived and we're just packaging and, and getting everything ready uh for me you know 
you cannot even imagine how big of a deal, you know, like most of people, yeah, another brand out there, whatever. But we have taken a lot of time in order for us to release this product. Uh, all this new branding, a part, it took us a lot, a lot, a lot of time. And, uh, you know, we are artista. We are El Artista, Artista. And uh, it's a name that, uh, you know, uh, we take it very heavy, you know, and having a cigar out there with, with, with such a strong name for, for me and my family uh, is something that we took really, really serious. And the main reason why we got delayed is because we all needed to make sure that everything is perfect for this release. It needs to have the right band, it needs to have the right box, and it needs to be the right cigar. That is very, very important for us with this product. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you it was a it was a really big shift for you guys. I mean, so I mean, right I mean, I mean this the, the announcement came, I mean, I think a I think it was a week before the trade show. Um obviously you're planning on having the cigars there, but you know, you guys announced the the big change which was the which was the rebranding of everything, which I I mean, I just thought I just thought was absolutely stellar. Um I really love um, I really love how it looks, the, the three leaves and the A, and it's, um, it's just, it, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the right words here, Ram. It's, it's, sim, it's simplicity as it, at its finest, I think is a pretty good way to describe it. Um, because I mean, the, the, the logo is very beautifully ornate, so that's not simple, obviously, but the, just the, just the A by itself and how it just kind of sits and everything, you know, I had that, uh, that picture of us uh, on tonight's ad when I, when I put it over here, I'll post that. Um, I'll share that picture when we were talking at uh, PCA this year, this is uh, the coop article. Um, and uh, I mean, I know this was, and like I said, this was just a prototype box and everything. I mean, how, how close are they to this? I mean, is it spot on or did you guys make some tweaks to it or what does it look like? It's very, very close. Uh, what we didn't, so main most of the changes we did to the final box is execution. A uh, little bit more solid colors on uh, we, on the silk screen in order for it to look outstanding a little bit more. So it's very very close. There's no like a very significant change of of the actual presentation to the one that you see over there. But obviously, like on a picture like this, this one looks perfect. But there were some little details that, uh, you know, that I was not very happy with. So I needed to make sure that uh, the guys in the wooden box factories understand they had to buy new equipment in order to to make the boxes. But I mean, it is what it is. Right. Well, I, I like um, I, I really just like the I really just like the, the new logo, the new branding and everything. Again, I mean, it's not like you guys completely shifted or changed anything. It wasn't like it went to a completely different name or or anything like that. I mean, in reality, you just got rid of, you know, for us gringos out there that, you know, don't know Spanish too well. I mean, you just got rid of the word the, but it was yeah, much yeah. more than it was much more than that. I mean, I was a big fan of the shield. I liked it. Um, but I love I love I love the new branding for it. Um uh, are you going to, is that going, is that also, are you also in the process of make like making sure that it's all on new, on the old cigars too, like labels and, and uh, boxes and things like that? Yes. Yes. We're, we're working with that. 
but the factory will remain as El Artista. And that shield is actually the logo of our Dominican company. So here it, it will still be Tabacalera El Artista. Um, in our boxes, like even in the Artista new boxes, in the bottom, you're going to see that it's going to say handmade in the Dominican Republic by Tabacalera El Artista mm -hmm. with that shield. So it's not that El Artista is just going to disappear. We're just uh, washing our face a little bit in order for a, to have like a more appealing presence in the market uh, as a brand. But the factory will remain El Artista. Well, what I thought was really was really clever about you guys is with, with this new rebranding and everything. Like you said, you, you you nothing's changing as far as the factory and 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 that you know that's paying homage to your family, obviously for the you know the third generation as we talked about last time you were on the show. Um, but it, you you guys created um, five pillars with underneath the this the the Artista brand, right? So we have Artista, which is featuring these two cigars that we've been talking about a little bit. We're going to talk more about the midnight here in a second. Um, but then there's the rugged country, which is the Buffalo 10, the Cimarron, the Fugly and the Cheroots, uh, or the Fugly Cheroots. And then the factory classics, which is the Pulita, the Puro Ambar and the Exactus. Yeah, uh, that's correct. And then the David Ortiz lines, of course, which have been really great, uh, really, you know, really big sellers for you guys and really fantastic. The big poppy and the slugger. Uh, and then you guys had that great project with uh, with two guys where you guys did the firecracker. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was, really that was really cool. Man. <laughs> uh, but this, I wanted to touch on this other one because uh, that we talked a little bit about um, back in back in July, which is the Artista Studio Works, which is um, more of your creative arm and everything like that. Uh, talk about that. I mean, like, I mean, what? Uh, I mean. Obviously, the paper boys one is the is the first one uh, that's yep. kind of coming out of it. And everything. So, what what is it about this pillar that's so important to you? Why did you want to create this arm that was more for this creative element for you? So, uh, I I like creativity. You know, I like uh, even myself. I like designing things. Uh, you know, uh, 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 for example, I have a badass ashtray that hopefully next year uh, we're gonna release it for art for the art, artista brand. And uh, when uh, we I gathered with my team to talk about you know what's the, gonna be the future, and they came with okay we're gonna classify all the series like this this and that. It was like yeah, but what about if I wanna do a toilet shaped cigar or some crazy thing i don't know you know <laughs> I don't, I, 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 when when you have things so clear it it close kind of uh, locks you in, in, in your creativity because you already have a path for you to follow um artista studio work actually started a couple of years ago uh a, not with a cigar but with, with a project with a local artist where we did some some uh, paintings and we replicated on humidors. Uh, we talked about this last time. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember yeah. The humidors. So yeah, we did a humidor for Buffalo Ten and, and another one for for Big Papi, and we all the, we decide there like okay, you know, we still have artista studio works. Let's not 
use it or not only use it for for that kind of creativity where you know you we get artists to to come and collaborate with us but let's make cigars as well with it and paper boy was was uh, the first idea it was a project that we've been talking about uh, for for a long time already and we decided to release it uh, uh, on this pca and it's a great project you know people uh, like it uh, it's moving pretty well not only in the us but in europe uh people uh, are really really enjoying that product so yeah like i don't i don't want to kill that side of of our factory you know uh, we are a little bit crazy down here we have <laughs> kevin kevin my 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 vp uh he's fucking crazy so you know we need a little bit of that space for us to play around <laughs> Kevin does a great job for you guys. I've, I've, I've been so, well, I've been impressed with the company for a long time. You know that, but um, I I was really intrigued by this, 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 the paper boy simply because I I grew up watching a a film called newsies and, you know, it was a, it was a Disney movie that, um, you know, tells the story of paper boys from the late 1800s in New York city. And, and uh, it's, it was pretty cool. I've got a question though. So the packaging here, obviously, the obviously the paper boy and daily deliveries to your doorstep is a stamp. At least I can tell. The paper looks like a newspaper, feels like newspaper. Is it actually newspaper, or did you guys print it? We 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 printed. We, okay. We actually printed. Okay. Originally, we wanted to actually use Dominican newspaper on it. But first, there's a bunch of ads. There's a bunch of negative news. Oh, okay. You know, like, yeah. So we decide to do our own thing. Uh, there's basically on that newspaper, there's a bunch of fake news that, with a bunch of Easter eggs that you're going to need to speak Spanish. Oh. And know how to read Spanish. Now I have to, to brush up on my Spanish. Okay, fantastic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a bunch of fake fake news, just like any other newspaper. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was wondering I was wondering if it was real or not because I was like thinking I was like because I mean I mean you guys did you guys did a great job I mean it it can't be too hard to replicate newspaper and everything too much but I mean it looked like it it like it even it honestly even smells like it which is yeah crazy. yeah it, it is it's actually newspaper paper you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob, we just made it for for ourselves. That's the only difference. So, um, the so I kind of put the, or at least to me, um, the 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 paper boy, the Buffalo Ten. They kind of seem kind of they kind of seem some of the same mold, but they're but they're in different pillars. Um, the uh, as the paper boy now are these? I don't want to insult you, Ram. Are these short filler or are they long filler cigars? They're, they are long feeders. They are long feeders, so they're, pre, they're, they're premium cigars as well. And it's it only comes in the one size, right? It comes in the 4x44? Only 4x44, that's correct. Okay. And then the, we got the Maduro and the and then the Connecticut, correct? Yep. Okay. So I'm assuming I have the Connecticut right here. I'm assuming it's uh, Ecuadorian Connecticut? Ecuadorian from our farms over there in Ecuador. So you so you mentioned farms in Ecuador. Okay, so I was actually reading this about you, and I didn't realize this. This is something new information to me that you actually, in addition to farms in the Dominican, that you have farms other places too in South America and yes, in, in, all in the, Ecuador. 
In, in okay. Ecuador, we have farms in, in the outsides of Quevedo and another town called Ventana, which is uh, like three hours away from, from Guayaquil. Quevedo is around uh, four hours. Okay. Okay. Um, is that where you got the wrapper for the midnight? Yes. Okay. Because this, a lot of people, t- I mean, this thing, I mean, the midnight is so dark. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the, the natural inclination is people are probably thinking, oh, it's broadleaf, right? No. And then, but no, it's Ecuadorian. It's, uh, I guess you call it oscuro, right? Ecuadorian yeah. habano oscuro. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, it's terrific. I mean, it is, it's so dark. And that, that dark blue plays off of it really well. It's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. We're going to dive a little bit more into that. So, but, um, uh, obviously, so uh, with the uh, with the harvest that I'm smoking still and everything, and, and the color, you said it's going to be tweaked a little bit, but the color is, you know, obviously reminiscent of, you know, like weed or grain or anything like that. Um, where did you guys come up with the name? I, I know we're bouncing around here, Ram, and I apologize, but where did you guys come up with the names uh, Harvest and, and, and Midnight? So it, it, those are Pantone colors. Since, as you know, artist, artista, uh, we decide to uh, all the lines that we're going to have on the series are probably, you know, because you can never say always, because you never know. At least that's what we have an idea now, right? Uh, it's going to be named uh, by, uh, with a different color. Uh, now we have the Harvest Yellow and the Midnight Blue. Oh, okay. Oh, terrific. Terrific. So, um... So this goes back to this goes back to the blending questions, right? So now, what came first, the cigars or the names? The cigars came first. Okay, and it All was right. kind of funny because I, 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 in the smoking panel, I was always asking, like, when you smoke the cigar, what colors do are you tasting out of it? <laughs> and everybody was like, "What the fuck is this guy? Like, no, like he's done. You know, like what the hell is he talking about?" Do you think that cigar tastes like yellow? <laughs> what, what would they say when they when they stopped thinking you were crazy? What what did they say? Uh, most of the time they're like, "Yeah, well, if you say so, yeah, yellow." <laughs> if you say you so, know? <laughs> I don't know, Ram. It just it tastes good. I don't know what. It, yes, it tastes yellow. It tastes yellow. Um, that's it, that's it does. Are you sure? <laughs> it's. That a specific yellow, a little bit more bright. <laughs> I, I'm, re- I mean, I am, I'm really, I'm really digging this. I think it's, I, I it, it is, it is, re- it's different than, and you know, you know, I'm a fan of your cigars. So I mean, like, it's different than anything else that I've had from you. Um, it, it really is, and that one in particular, more than, and that's why I've been smoking it so much because uh, it's just completely different of what we have done before, and. In a good way, at least based on, on, on what I feel. Uh, and that's why I really, really fell in love with that blend because it's it's so different. Well, and th- this is what I'll say, Raymond. Again, I don't, I, I, please don't take this the wrong way because, again, you know I'm a fan of your stuff. But, like, this might be the most complex cigar that I've ever tasted that you've made. Like, yeah. it's, it, it's very, it's, I mean, it's got a lot going on. Like, there's a lot of, and it's really well balanced, too. Like so when I so when I when I first smoked when I first lit it up I told you it kind of grabs you right the tension and I love cigars that do that I love cigars that are just like pop they're just like they are they have like this instant pop and you can like it just immediately get you get this mouthful of like different flavors and everything 
And as, as it's kind of progressed, I'm getting towards uh, closer to the halfway point in this. And like the, uh, there, there's some really, really beautiful, I would say like harvest flavors. Like you kind of get this grain cereal, baking spice, uh, but there's like this really nice sweetness. I'm, I'm tasting a little bit of like caramel. It's very subtle. Um, and then there's this, this, the, the perfect amount of like pepper spice. Right. And I like, not like a pepper bomb. Like it's not heavy. Yeah. Like there, there, like there is Nicaraguan tobacco in this, correct? No, no, it's no. Uh, uh, oh, all Dominican. All Dominican. Okay. So, excuse me. I apologize. I was thinking of something else then. Um, the, um, but it's, it's, it's just really good. This is really Thank good. You. Um, Thank you very much. Bear. It has the, I guess that sweetness is coming from that Sumatran wrapper. Um, and I, I don't know where that spice is coming from then. I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly, I'm thoroughly, I'm thoroughly interested. It has to be that special tobacco then, or, or maybe not. Is that special tobacco? Yes. Like, okay. okay. That special tobacco adds a lot of, of spiciness to the blend for sure. A lot of spiciness and a lot of complexity. Really? I can't wait to write right up the midnight now and kind of just kind of weigh them a little bit. But uh, um, if, you, if you smoke that tobacco by itself, it's usually not the best experience ever because it's kind of, it's one of those tobacco that you really, really know, uh, need to know what you're doing in order to blend with it properly. But it has this weird, it's like, it's peppery and kind of minty at the same time, mm-hmm. kind of like, like like basil or mint. It's just so weird. It's just okay. such a weird tobacco to work with. It's it, but I found that like what I've 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 talked to I've talked to enough blenders though. It's like it's really interesting when you when you have those tobaccos when you're like by itself it's not much or by that itself it's kind of weird or different like you said, but the way that it marries with other tobaccos and the, what it does is just really it, it 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 just makes it just brings out like all the bright spots and other tobacco and stuff absolutely and, absolutely yeah. and th- that tobacco is one of those it's just like for example the one from colombia the cubita it's kind mm-hmm. of the same by itself it's it's not i could say it's not even a good tobacco you know like if you're blending and you take a pure grade of that tobacco and you're like eh, you're on next but when you blend it, it's like, oh, my God, you know, like it really mm. helps to outstand uh, the other flavors that, that that you want to outstand for for any other particular tobacco. I, w- I had um, I had George Rico from Grand Habano cigars on a few weeks ago, and he he likes to use Colombian tobacco uh, in a lot of his blends. And, you know, Colombian, Peruvian tobacco and, and Peruvian, like both of them have this very distinct uh, aroma and flavor to them. Like they, they yeah. give off this very floral, um, this, this kind of, fl- you know, floral, like aroma and taste to them. Um, and I, I really like that. Some people don't, um, it, when it's blended really well, like if it's overpowering, like nobody likes any overpowering flavor for the most part. I mean, I guess if you really liked flowers, I guess you'd really like it, but, um, but when it's blended, cor- when it's blended well and blended correctly, I find, I find that, that little amount of floor, uh, floral, notes and everything it just really makes cigars i don't know i really like it i dig it um but it was um 
I guess I was thinking about the midnight. So the midnight actually has a lot more different types of tobacco because you've got the, it's got the dark, the Ecuadorian that we talked about that comes from your farms in Ecuador as well. Um, but the binder is actually Connecticut shade or Ecuadorian Connecticut shade. Um, uh, Ecuador, it's Ecuadorian as well. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, the, the, but there's also, there's Nicaraguan in the midnight. Correct. Yeah, Nicaraguan, Dominican, and U.S. tobacco. Oh wow. Okay, so there's a lot going on with this. Uh, so it's, I mean, so in that, but just by just by tobacco makeup, it's completely different from the harvest. It is. It's a it's a completely different blend. Uh, the midnight is more on the full body side. Uh, way much more pepper, and it, it's also very complex. I'll say a little bit more on the citric side uh, versus versus the, the the harvest, which has all this complexity and those floral notes that that uh, makes it a little bit more uh, also very special. Uh, so yeah, they're completely different blends, one to the other. Okay. Um. The um. So I so I think that plays right into the fact that like these aren't. While these are part of the artista pillar, they're not meant to be similar in any way. They're meant to tell completely different stories. If I if I can be a little absolutely yeah okay absolutely if I yeah, could, if, yeah. I, if I could, if I could write my write my own my own story here. Uh, uh, but um, when you were playing around with the blend for the midnight and everything, it, I mean, is this the is, in your mind is this the most full bodied cigar that you guys make? The midnight, probably yes. At least in our artista portfolio, maybe I have a strong, stronger private labels, but on the artista for a, a, a products, yes, I think is is the the strongest cigar we have. Because I think that really, that's going to do extremely well for you. Because I think that if you know, quote unquote, something that you guys were missing in the marketplace was that that really strong cigar, like I, um. You know, you've got a, uh, uh, there's a really, um, I, I really, I mean, I, like I, like I said, I really like some of your cigars for the nuance, but they kind of, they kind of go from mild all the way to like medium, maybe a little yeah. bit medium full, but, uh, it was kind of the portfolio is kind of missing that heavier cigar. So if, if that seals this up and I'm going to light this up here in a little bit, when I finish this harvest, I, I don't want to end that too quickly. Cause that's awesome. Um, but it, it, uh, that's that's really got to be something that's exciting for you guys from a from a you know just an overall like sales perspective and everything as well, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, let me tell you something. I'm playing around with another blend that we may or may not release it next year. That I, for what I can see, is going to be even stronger than than that midnight over there. Uh, oh, wow. For me, you know, uh, I remember a couple of years ago where, you know, the cigar that sells was the strongest one. You know, like people were just looking for all that yes. pepper, 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 pepper. Mm -hmm. I've never been a big fan of, of, you know, like only pepper. I always tell people it's just like a, like a, when, when you, you have a steak, a, you can have a, a, a very cheap steak that you bought on a gas station and uh a, a5 wagyu beef 
if you put a, a sauce on top of it, you know, it's just going to taste like the sauce and that's all that pepper, you know, so mm-hmm. you can put any tobacco and it, that particular one that is very strong is going to hide all, all the other things that you're doing wrong on a cigar. I don't like that that much. I like complexity. I like cigars that, that starts to make me think like, oh, why? What am, what am I feeling here? You know? So usually with overly pepper cigars, I don't get that feeling. So I usually don't blend like that. But we have this other tobacco that we are working, playing with, one of those that I also discovered during the pandemic uh, that I'm pretty sure is going to be stronger than, than, than that Midnight. Oh, wow. And yet very complex with a lot of flavors, with a lot of uh, uh, taste on it. Uh, I, I really look forward to that one. Uh, there's still some missing parts on it, and that's why you know I, I just don't don't like rushing things. Uh, mm-hmm. I still need to refine a little bit more the blend, but we're getting there. We really are. I, I remember last time you were here, we were talking about your beginnings in the business and how, like you had, at first growing up, and I mean you grew up in the cigar industry, but at first you didn't necessarily want to get into the cigar industry as an adult and. You know, you still um, you ended up obviously coming back and uh, to the industry and everything and working for your family, which has been great. But I, I think, um, like you said, around that time, I remember you said you were it was your 18th birthday. You went to your first IPCPR, which is now PCA. Yeah. And so about that time is probably that that time that you're talking about. Like was that that's that was the trend back then was the the stronger, the better, the more peppery, the better. And that was kind of the the trendsetter for the industry and everything. And so. I think what's really great about Artista as a whole the last few years is you guys gained a lot of prominence in the perfect time in the industry because I think the industry overall right now is kind of, you know, there's 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 trends like we talked about it before it was like full bodied and I think more people more appreciate that more that more balanced cigar. They don't really care if it's mild. They don't really care if it's full body. They don't really care if it's medium. They just, they want a lot of complexity and balance. And I think that's what's really great about um, the the the, uh, the promise that you guys have experienced in the last few years is it's it's really come at the perfect time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. By the way, I still can't wait for the time where Lanceros become a thing again, if that <laughs> ever happens. I I've always I've always enjoyed Lanceros. Uh, I think um, I mean and and. But I think like most people, like when I, the first Lancero I ever smoked, it was hand, it was hand sold to me. It was actually sort of given to me. I, I told, uh, I told the the man who had become my general manager at Michael's years later, I said, Hey, surprise me, just grab something and from the humidor and I'll smoke it. And he grabbed a Lancero for me. Uh, it was the El Triumphador number one from Tatawahe. And that cigar was awesome. It's still one of my favorites. And I absolutely fell in love with Lanceros. I didn't, really, but I, I, I mean, I gave him a look. I was like, really? You want me to smoke this? He's like, yes, absolutely. And, um, and I, and I, I dig them. I know they're not for everybody, but I, I, I dig them and everything. Um, when did, when did you become a fan of them? Always, honestly. I like, I really like small ring gauge cigars. Uh, that 4x44, for example. Uh, I re- I really enjoy smoking uh, short cigars like that, the Coronas, the Lanceros, the Panatelas, anything below I'll say a forty-four ring gauge and below. It, for me, it's, it's good. Uh, uh, 
you smoke more wrapper and usually there's a lot of flavor in wrapper mm-hmm. and it's a flavor that since people are not really used to it uh they don't realize how much they're missing in my case that you know i every time a new batch of tobacco comes from ecuador or from anywhere uh a, a wrapper first thing i do is that you know i take some leaf and, and, and roll a, a little cigar for me to try the tobacco i can tell you man like usually there's a lot of flavors that we are not enjoying because it's just on the wrapper you know so but at the end uh us as farmers where we spend all the money is on the wrapper because it's what sells the most expensive so so a good uh a, a yield is a, is one where you get a lot of wrapper on it, and in order for you to achieve that, you need to make sure that the quality of the tobacco is there. Absolutely, um, terrific. Um, I'm just enjoying the rest of this. Before we go into one of our first fun segments for the night, uh, Ram, I, I do want to kind of go back to this the re, the decision to rebrand. The cigar side. So, like you, like you were very clear about earlier, uh, the factory and as far as your presence in the Dominican, it'll always be El, El Artista, like it has been for a year in the years past and everything. So it'll still be Tabaculera El Artista. You guys aren't changing the name of the factory or anything like that. But w- why did you guys want to rebrand the cigar side of it specifically for the American market, and what 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 kind of went into that decision to? You know, I, again, we're just removing the word the, but, but I mean, the whole, but I mean, more than that, obviously the, the new logo and everything like that. What, what, why did you guys uh, feel that that was necessary? Why did you guys want to feel the need to do it? So when I started with the idea of having our, our brands out there, uh, which by the way, was Exactus back then, mm-hmm. uh, we always had an idea, like, hey, like it should be just art- El Artista, you know, that's the, the factory name anyway, so so let's just promote El Artista. But it never made a lot of sense for us, mainly because, like, even the logo, the logo, I really love my my, my shield of, of Tabacalera El Artista, but it's not, like, you don't see a car with a shield like that, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not very commercial. It's hard to read the name. Uh, it's, it's, it's not that appealing on on the commerce. Uh, mm-hmm. As a factory, it makes a lot of sense because you're not selling in a marketplace the same way it is uh, the marketplace in a cigar shop. But it it just doesn't look that right, let's say. Uh, so we knew for sure, yeah, we need to make some changes on the, on the logo. Uh, I'm very happy that... I don't even know why. What, what was the reason that we decided to go with with another brand, other other name, other than El Artista, back then? But but I'm very happy because uh, we were not ready in, in that moment. You know, uh, now we are uh, a completely different company than what we were back then. Uh, we understand the market uh, way much more than what we used to before. At least this side of the market, you know. So we just want to make something that could last uh, outstand first, uh, something uh, simple uh, and easy to remember and something that could have value not only now, but in the future. 
uh, I believe like a lot of people make some, you know, uh, some mistakes on the design side, like where, oh, you know, the trend now is neon, neon all over the place, for example. So mm -hmm. they build their own company based on that image. But two years after that, neon is not a thing anymore. So you're stuck with that, you know, so you have mm -hmm. to either change or, or just uh, be forgotten. Uh, we, we didn't want that. We, we wanted something that we could see beautiful today and in 50 years to be continue be as beautiful as it was now uh, at, at the beginning but keeping it a little bit fresh and modern at the same time and i think the uh, that marketing team did a great job with 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 with, uh, uh, with this design and obviously you know the, there's a lot of input from for us uh the three leaves on the on, on the bottom of the logo it was actually a my idea uh it kind of represents for me the, the three generations of of, of our company ask. yeah yeah and so yeah i mean uh, I, i'm very happy i'm very happy with the new logo i, I really think it, it, we did a good job yeah I, i'm I'm a, I'm a sucker for family stories in this industry and everything. And so when I, when I saw the three leaves and everything, I was wondering if it was the three generations and now that you said that, that just totally makes sense. And it's, it's, it's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, the way it is. I really, I really do like it. I, I think, you, uh, like I said earlier, it's, 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 uh, elegance and simplicity. And I think you're right. This is a, this is a logo. This is a thing that will, that'll stand the test of time for sure. Cause it's, uh, it's very time. It's very timeless. You know, it's very timeless. Thank you. So, um, well, it's terrific. Um, well, Ram, we're going to get to, uh, our first fun segment part of the night. I told you about this a little bit before the show. And this of course is our United cigars presidential trivia, uh, question for the night. So, uh, like I promised, you don't have to be a U.S. president uh, expert or anything like that. It's going to be multiple choice. Uh, but I thought I thought it was a fun I thought it was a fun little trivia question, uh, considering what we've been talking about tonight, which is artista, uh, which means artist in English. So uh, this uh, segment is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring Lagian Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez. Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. So, um, you know, as you're, uh, as I'm sure it is the same way in your country, uh, um, Ram, the uh, the presidents of our country have been all sorts of different characters over the last 250 plus years. Uh, some good, some bad, some interesting, some funny. Um, and but there have been a number of presidents that have uh, really been interested in the world of art. They've actually even become artists. Uh, some during their presidency, some before, some after. Um, and so I wanted to ask you a very simple question: um, How many artists, specifically painters, have been U.S. presidents before? So is it A four? B zero or C ten. Okay, that's a tough one. So for the record, everybody, I'm Dominican born and raised. I know very little about American history. Uh but I'll say zero sounds like way too little, ten sounds like too much. So I'll go with four. 
Four is the correct answer. Absolutely. So uh, good job there. I totally uh, knew that. I, yeah. I, I, now, that now, now that you were saying that a lot, I, did, I was like, man, I did make this a little too extreme. So good, good, good job narrowing it down. Uh, the, the, uh, but the four presidents probably, I mean, uh, one was in the 1800s, and we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, but three were in this, uh, the, the nine, uh, two were in the 1900s, and then one in the 2000s. So uh, the most recent one was actually George W. Bush. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, so yeah, he, he actually became, he got into art after he left the presidency and he's actually, he's actually been, uh, he's actually commissioned a few paintings and he's, uh, like one of them's even in the library of Congress and, and stuff like that. So he's, he does a lot of still life, you know, like serene stuff, but one of the most popular presidents and this, this guy is really interesting. It's Jimmy Carter. Um, you know, he, Jimmy Carter, uh, was around in the seventies Ram, which was before both year and I time. You know, I was born in the 80s. I know you were born in the 1990s. So this was way before us. But um, but Jimmy Carter was uh, really widely criticized while he was a president. But since he's left and he's still alive, uh, since he's left, he's actually become more popular, believe it or not. He uh, he works. I mean, he does a lot of charity work. He's, his most famous work is with Habitat for Humanity. He builds homes for people who needs it. And he's become an artist and the art gets donated for, you know, for charitable reasons and things like that. And so it's kind of cool. But uh, um, but the two other ones are pretty interesting uh, because they were both uh, members of the military before they were presidents. And that's Eisenhower, who was the commanding general during World War Two and then later would become president. Uh, and Ulysses S. Grant, who is the general during the Civil War. Uh, back in the 1860s. So, but Grant was in, from the time that he was a child would paint. Oh wow! So he painted his entire life, and um, and and the reason I, I wanted to mention Grant last was because, as a lot of people know in this country, Ram Grant was a huge cigar smoker. Uh, he got into cigars actually during the Civil War and started smoking them quite a bit, and then. Um, and then was a was a you know was never without one pretty much for the rest of his life you know he was always smoking cigars and um after he uh he left the presidency like that was his thing like he would he would go and he would paint and smoke cigars all day i'm like man that sounds that does not sound like a crappy life at all so <laughs> yeah. i i mean i painting he did do you I, know? Every everything. Apparently, he did several. He did several portraits, but he did a lot of still lifes and everything. And apparently, he was very good. I haven't seen any. I've been trying to. My sister. Uh, my sister actually works in the art world. She works for a museum in New York, and I'm trying okay. to see. I was. Try, I, I. I. I emailed her asking to see if if she could find any photos of anything that he's done because I would really like to see how for a person who paints all his life and and again everything I've read he, he was very good. So it'd be really good to see. It would be really kind of fun to see what he actually see some of his paintings and see what he actually did. So that's that's pretty uh, pretty interesting. But um, hmm. but uh, I've 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 wanted to ask this in, in the in the spirit of cigar smoking um, and how you know how important is cigars are to the Dominican Republic. Do you do you know if uh, any Dominican presidents have ever are they big cigar smokers or? That, that you know of or anything like that or so Hippolito Mejia uh, is a cigar smoker uh, he was president from 2000 to 2004 uh, before him 
none of them comes to my mind as, as like cigar smokers. And I know Hippolito is a cigar smoker. He's still alive, and, and I know the guy. So, oh wow, uh, you know so the full president. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> humble brag. Uh, okay, I know the full president. <laughs> uh, super cool guy, by the way. Oh man, He's that's hilarious. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> as as he, I'm, he comes I'm assuming, from tobacco. Okay, I was just saying. Oh, he comes from tobacco. Okay. I, yeah, I was, so he's from from Gurabo, which is on the outsides of the city of Santiago, where where I am now. And uh, he's an agronomist, and uh, he was in charge of the tobacco Dominican Tobacco Institute uh, in the mid eighties. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, that that, expl- yeah. that explains his love for cigars. Has he? I'm assuming since you guys, since you know him, I mean, has he been to your factory? Yeah, yeah, he's been to my factory several times. Uh, um, right now, our vice president, uh, her name is Raquel Peña. Uh, her father was one of the oldest, uh, um, uh, like uh, her family, it comes from tobacco as well. I still remember his father, uh, uh, Don Leocadio, uh, because he used to do a lot of business with my dad and before my dad with my grandfather. So oh, wow. I don't know if she smokes. But she comes from tobacco for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I you know, as you as you know, in this country, that the tobacco is such a is such a, a taboo subject and everything. And I, I really wish that uh, um, it would be kind of become more more prominent within some of our leaders. And if nothing else, not they don't have to necessarily be cigar smokers, but just get you know have them talk a little bit more about cigars or have that a little bit more widely published and everything. I think that'd be absolutely would yeah. be really cool. And it's cool. That, interesting, that... I- interesting fact here in the Dominican Republic, that was in the 1900s. Uh, we had a dictator release. Uh, no, it was before him. I forgot the name of that president, but he started issuing a currency without a funds. So the money start inflation went up like crazy. Oh wow! And he had an internal a, a debt like to the in the country, and he was trying to get funds out of the tobacco. Uh, he was paying the farmers with that money, that currency that didn't have any actual value. And in that moment, oh, we wow. had uh, what we call la revolución del tabaco, the tobacco revolution, here in Santiago, where the Tobacco farmers uh, made a revolution against the government in order to to take that president out. And after that, Santiago became the capital of the sea, of the of the country uh, oh, after wow. that war for for like a year or something like that. Oh wow! So tobacco what? is really really rooted in, in in our history. When 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 was this? I need to I need to I freshen think, up on my my Dominican history. I think it was like nineteen oh. Four okay. or something like that. It was right before the release, which was a big dictator we had before Trujillo, mm-hmm. which was the worst dictator we had. Yeah, I yeah I remember. Unfortunately, I remember reading a lot about him. Um, I need to br- I need to brush up more on my Dominican history. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong with the dates. I I don't remember like a hundred percent. But we did have a tobacco revolution back then. <laughs> That's crazy. Interesting. Interesting. Well, um, 
artists come in all shapes and sizes and all leaders and everything. So we talked a lot a bit about uh, uh, some Dominican uh, presidents that love uh, cigars. And we talked about some U.S. presidents that love art and uh, uh, or one who loved both, actually, which was Ulysses S. Grant. Loved, uh, loved to find cigar yeah. and loved painting at the same time. So that was our United uh, Cigar Presidential Trivia segment for the night, uh, always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines, and including the new Alfonso line from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Um, so this next segment, Ram, uh, you, you got to participate in it last time when you were on Take uh, 181, when we talked about uh, the work that you and your your family have done with Tesho. Um, but there's been another uh, organization. You guys do a lot, a lot of charitable work, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, and you've, you know, one of your long-standing uh, partners uh, in cigars, of course, has been the uh, infamous uh, baseball player David Ortiz, uh, one of my personal favorites. Uh, and and uh, recently, you've uh, you've done some work with him and his charity, the David Ortiz Children's Fund. So that was the that was the charity that you uh, you chose to feature tonight. So. Uh, you had a great story that you were telling me about. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and, and, and share uh, why you picked the uh, David Ortiz Children's Fund for tonight? All right. So I actually didn't tell you another thing about that. Okay. Uh, we met David thanks to his fund. We've been <laughs> sponsoring his Celebrity Classic Tournament for several years now. And that's how we became friends with him. Uh, so it was thanks to his fund, actually. So okay. uh, the story that I was telling you before is that uh, we have some new operations in a village called La Vega here. And our uh, HR policies, when we have a position uh, to fill, we usually look inside our organization before you know trying to hire somebody from the outside. And in this case, of, uh, in particular, uh, we were looking for a receptionist. And we always we have a database of of of, of all the employees and a, what kind of a, if they're on college and what kind of education they have. So uh, a, a, the person in charge of HR starts a, interviewing a, a couple of of the a, the candidates from the inside of the organization, and uh, she chooses a one in particular. And she sent me this email. Uh, for her, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's not an important matter, or is this girl because, you know, this, this, and that. When I saw it, it really blew my mind. So this lady, she uh, uh, told her told her that, that she was very proud of working uh, uh, with El Artista. And the main reason why, it was because she got a heart surgery when she was a little kid thanks to david uh -huh. ortiz organization so she really appreciates the factory just because we are very close to him and when i heard that you know that, like it was so crazy you know it was just unbelievable and so i start you know uh, investigating about her and uh, uh the person in charge of hr sends me this voice note like explaining me the situation oh yeah she told me uh uh like like she she just loved david ortiz because she's alive thanks to him she was about to die uh she comes from a family with no resources and i sent that voice note to to david and long story short 
a week after that, David is in the factory because he wants to meet her as well. And <laughs> he was so beautiful, you know, they're both crying. Uh, her mother was there as well. You oh. know, uh, just, you know, crying and explaining, uh, David, you know, how was the situation back then and how much uh, their life had changed thanks to all the job he has been doing uh, with his organization. So it is really touching and, and and it's even more when you get to see something like that, like right in, right in your factory, you know, like somebody that you see every day when you, you come to the to your office. And it's, it's just beautiful. I mean, it, it really is. And by the way, like he just had his celebrity classic this year. He mm -hmm. was able to raise a $1.8 million for kids here in the Dominican Republic and in, in the Boston region as well. Because he, he does a lot of charity work over there. So uh, it's an organization that, that should be supported for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic organization that, that spans over two, uh, two countries. Like you mentioned, that obviously done incredible work for children in the Dominican uh, and then also uh, children in New England as well. And uh, I mean, um, I think this is, you know, and you know him personally, which is, which is really fantastic. But what, the one thing that I've always come to appreciate about David Ortiz in particular I mean, I've just known him as from the, you know, for as long as I can remember, as is a fan perspective of just watching him play baseball. But um, is that community is really big to him. And, you know, he's been really embraced by two communities, obviously his home country of the Dominican, but also, uh, a, you know, New England itself, you know, where he where he, uh, you know, gained prominence as a baseball player. And he was he really embraced the city of Boston. Um, and you know, it's surrounding area and everything. So it's, I think it's very appropriate that he's, he gives back to those, those two places, you know, where he came from and, you know, where he, you know, he ended up playing uh, most of his professional career and everything. And it's, um, it's, that's such a beautiful story that he, I mean, literally touched a person who works for you now, which is, um, like you, you said right before we got on the air, like, you know, she wouldn't be here, you know, she wouldn't be here without him. And that's, I mean, that's. Oh, what a beautiful story. Beautiful it story. really is. It really is. Um, you said this this is how you kind of uh got associated with him was your work with uh, with his uh with through his foundation and everything. Um it's you know, it it um it, like we said it's done it's done a lot of particular work in 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 general, like I mean, do you remember I mean, was that was that more of your father or was that your was that when you did you guys make did you make the decision like what what why did you guys start working with this charity specifically do you do you recall the story behind that? Uh, it was more my father. Uh, honestly, I'll need to ask him like how okay. he, he approached to to the organization, but but it, it was on my father my father's decision back then. Okay, awesome. Um, what's uh. I know he he's an incredibly he's an incredibly busy person. You know he he works in uh, still works in baseball. He still works in television. I know he does a lot of stuff for the Red Sox organization. And everything he's still doing a lot of stuff at home and everything. Uh, do, do, does he make it by the factory uh, very often these days, or um, well, how often do you see him? Probably during the course of the year. So most of the time that I see him is in Santo Domingo, where where he's based out of. Uh, he comes to the factory 
I'll say maybe three or four times a year at least. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, are you guys uh, working on any other new projects uh, for that for the David Ortiz pillar? Or we are actually, we are actually uh, for next year. A new uh, plan is coming for for uh, David Ortiz series. Oh wow! Uh, so stay tuned. Definitely will. That'll be exciting um, to hear about. Um, wonderful. What? So I I went ahead and put it in the chat. Um, this is the David Ortiz Children's Fund. You can uh, go to their website, David Ortiz Children's Fund dot uh, org. I put it in the there. I'll put it in the show notes later and everything. Uh, really encourage you guys if you guys feel called uh, to go ahead and, uh, to to donate to this incredible organization. This is a really cool stat. So every five thousand dollars they raise, they figure that every five thousand dollars that's raised, it saves it saves a child's life, um, which is I mean. Five, you know, you might not be able to di- donate five thousand dollars, but every little bit counts because every five thousand dollars can uh, can save a child's life, like uh, like one of uh, one of the wonderful people that works for Ram now. I mean, uh, she is she is proof of that uh, of that life saving uh, journey that was given given to her because of this fund. So, um, just excellent excellent work. So check it out, uh, David uh, Ortiz Children's Awesome. Um, well, Ram, I do want to get back into a couple of other things because I'm about to light up the midnight, um, uh, to, to start smoking here in just a second. Um, but, uh, we've kind of, we've kind of started a couple of more fun segments here, uh, on the show. And, and this is kind of more of a, a rapid fire, uh, segment and it's called this or that. So it's, it's very simple. I give you two things and you just pick one. You know, okay. Um, and we'll talk about why if you want to a little bit. So, uh, there's only uh, there's only about five five or six of these, so it's it's nothing crazy. But uh, but they're all over the map. Some have to do with cigars. Some have nothing to do with cigars. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's um, all over the place. So let's go ahead and start with um, let's start with something that has to do with cigars. Uh, what I'm about to do. Do you prefer a cutter? Or removing the cap with a fingernail or biting it off? Fingernail. Fingernail. 100%. The true manufacturer's cutter. Always the fingernail. These ones, they, they never get lost. You know, I'm not <laughs> like, oh, where's my cutter? Oh, my God, I cannot smoke a cigar. I have it right here, my friend. You know? is, that so, is that something your, uh, your dad and grandfather taught you? or? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, uh, and every time, you know, we're smoking and somebody's like, oh, anybody has a quarter? We kind of stare at each other like. Pfft. Nope. No, I don't. <laughs> Look at this rookie. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you do use a cutter, what which kind of cutter do you typically gravitate toward? Or do you just not use cutters at all? Okay, guillotine. That's, that's I like guillotine. I like big cut as well. But, uh, I say only maybe one percent of the cigars that I smoke, probably less than that, are cutted by a tool other than my hands. I really get back. I need really need to get back into V cutting. I haven't V. I've I haven't V cut a cigar. I can't even remember when the last time was. I do yeah. use a cutter. I've 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 learned the art of using my fingernail. I do that in desperate situations, but, um, but yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I actually hinge and twist. 
Yeah, the, it's easy. Yeah, pinch and twist. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we've been ta- we talked a little bit about Christmas tradition at the top of the show. So, are you and your family opening up presents on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Here, nobody does it on Christmas Day, so it's always Christmas Eve. Kind of in the middle, let's say. We we wait in my family in particular. We wait until midnight. Oh, okay. There's an interesting twist. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, my uh, it was a real big sacrifice for my wife because I'm a I'm a Christmas Day. I've always been a Christmas Day kid, and my wife is very much. She grew up. She she's European and European. She grew up opening up on Christmas Eve, so that was a really big sacrifice for her. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you were, were you, when you were a kid, did you guys do the midnight thing too, or is that has that been a recent development, or is that the way it's always uh, been? When, in I, when I was a kid, it, it was a midnight thing as well. When I was way younger, uh, it was uh, during Christmas, you know, uh, like right when you wake up. But since I'm being able to, you know, stay away until midnight, it's been midnight. So. <laughs> Okay, so um, so I had to ask about um, you know, we were talking at the top of the show. You said that like Santa Claus wasn't a thing; it was Baby Jesus. So did Baby Jesus bring the presents? Is that how it worked, or how did how did the presents get yeah. there? Oh, yeah, cool. El Niño Jesús, El Niño Jesús, <laughs> and still kind of is. You know, some people still use that word, but nowadays it's more Santa, like the rest of the world. Okay. Uh, and actually, here on the east side of the island, uh. People don't get their presents during Christmas. They get it on January the 6th, which is a tricking day. That's still a thing in most of the east side, like Santo Domingo, the, the capital. They usually get nothing on Christmas. Is is during the trickings. Really? Yes, okay. because they were the ones that actually brought the gift, the gifts to to baby Jesus. And I guess they arrived late. They arrived. On January the sixth, right, right, yeah. <laughs> see, see, Mike. I told you my wife is European, so she she was. They did things differently, so they they did Christmas Eve, but then on December sixth was Saint Nicholas Day, which was like a whole other thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, uh, so like traditionally in in the United States or in other countries too, it's the stockings, you know. That yeah, United, yeah. So. St. Nicholas Day was all about shoes. So you put your shoes outside your door and St. Nicholas f- fills the shoes with like candy or small toys and stuff like that. So yeah, my, yeah. my kids are experiencing St. Nicholas Day. So my oldest, who's kind of figured things out, he's seven years old now. He's like counting down the days to St. Nicholas Day, which is in two days now. So he's like really excited <laughs> about that. He's getting his shoes already. Like my seven-year-old is cleaning his shoes to put them out like this is this is like the weirdest thing ever i'm like it's blowing my i'm sitting there watching i'm like what are you doing he's like he's like i'm cleaning my shoes i'm getting ready for saint nicholas so i'm like okay is there you are you gonna clean your shoes daddy i'm like no i think saint nicholas is just gonna take care of you man um he's like you, you should clean your shoes daddy i'm like oh okay i'll, I'll, I'll get on that um so it's really it's really interesting um but uh, okay, so moving on to food. Now you mentioned how uh, during the way that y'all celebrate Christmas, it's roast pork at least once a week and everything like that. And I know pork is a big part of 
you know, a big part of Dominican cuisine and everything like that. I know you grew up on it, but now that you're an adult, beef or pork? Beef, hundred percent. Okay. Do you? Uh, so, like, what? How do you like beef prepared? Do you like a steak or like what's your what's your favorite way of eating? Yeah, beef? like uh, like steak. If it's a good steak, a little bit of salt on it, and you know, cast iron. Boom. Perfect. That's all. Just very simple. What's your, what's your favorite uh, pork dish? How do you like pork made? Oh, uh, so I'll say chilindron. The chilindron here is where you take the pork and you stuff it with rice and beans, sew it again, and you roast it uh, like that. And the, the rice cooks with all the, the, the fat of, of the animal. It's oh wow! Fantastic. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It is. Okay. It really is. Sign me up um, <laughs> for that. Okay, going back to tobacco in the factory, and I know you've done you've done all sorts of jobs in the factory. So, would you rather sort or strip tobacco? Oof. Sort or strip? I mean, there's a little bit of sorting when you're stripping the, the tobacco uh i think stripping is is uh, yeah stripping probably because it's is it easier Sword, or uh it's more it, it, it involves a little bit more of physical effort than sorting uh i was not very good sorting tobacco myself <laughs> you know i'm i'm terrible with colors i guess and I don't have the patience to, to do it. Stripping is fun, you know? Sure. Now, um, most factories that I know that have uh, sorters, it's it's almost entirely or entirely uh, women who do the sorting. Is that how it is at your factory too? Or do you guys have, do you have men and women? It's entirely women uh, on ours as well. We try in the new facilities. We, we open in La Vega. We try with men. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, women's are way better sorting tobacco. That's what I hear. Much, it's like they, they they have this they have an eye for it or something that and they it, really do. And I've heard that too. Like I've heard like from several other factories. They're like we've we've tried men. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's just like it's yeah. exactly what you said. It just it yeah. doesn't work. It's just so it's anybody crazy. in the cigar industry that is watching this now, don't waste your time. You know, just go <laughs> to it. Yeah, don't even try. Don't even give it a try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's, that's interesting. Um, okay, so, and then finally, let's talk, uh, I guess you can call this fashion, I suppose. Uh, would you rather dress up, you know, dress nicely, special occasion, or would you rather dress down, be relaxed, and... and, and... Dress down, 100%. <laughs> what, 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 uh, what, what, do you, what do you normally wear to the factory every day? Are you, are you dressed up, or, or do you dress down? When you're at work, I actually dress down at a point that sometimes even employees make a little bit of fun of me. It's like, oh, you don't look like a boss. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> I want to be comfortable. Like, hey, What's like, wrong with that? Yeah, exactly. Like, I have some shoes that I've been using for years. I like the shoes, they're comfortable. You know, like my feet are used to it. They're ugly, they're old, you know, but it is what it is. I usually, uh, you know, like a shirt and some jeans. You know, pretty basic. If I'm going to the farms, I wear some boots because it's too muddy. I mean, I know, 
I know it's different, uh, like when you're at like the trade show or like when I saw you at the Great Smoke or something like that. But I've always like noticed you've you you always dress nice. I mean, not over the top. You're not wearing a suit or anything like that. But you always have really nice slacks on and you have really nice shoes. And you know, I was like, so I was like, I wanted to ask you this question because I was like, I wonder, like, does he like getting dressed up or does he like staying relaxed like most people? So, I I mean, I like it mainly because. I do it when you see me in those trade shows. <laughs> that's basically the that's only time. That's it. That's or the only if time. I'm going to a wedding or something. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when okay, so like when you go to a wedding, um, like what do you wear? Do you wear do you wear a suit? Do you wear a tuxedo? Like what what's traditional? What's what's a traditional like wedding gar- like dress for for men in the Dominican? Almost the same as in the U.S. The only okay. difference is that for us, uh, Guayabera, a Chacabana, how we call it, is considered formal. So you have like formal pants and, you know, black shoes and a nice Guayabera. Usually not the ones you see out there with too many colors. It's usually just like a solid, um, not too colorful, like usually white or a very light blue or something like that. That's usually considered formal. Okay. So, yeah, you, you can go to a wedding with with a guayabera or go and meet the uh, ex-president of the Dominican Republic. We usually have a guayabera for that. Like uh, long sleeves or short sleeves or either either one doesn't matter? Long sleeve. Long the sleeve. formal ones are the long sleeve. Long yeah. sleeve, that, okay. That equals to a, to a suit. For some people, it kind of, like, they don't, they cannot process that, but it is, it does for us it's considered formal it's just the way it is it's part of all our culture well when I, speaking of y'all's culture so when i when i visited the dominican a few years ago like they were telling us about dress and and they 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 told us to wear they told men, the men rather to wear pants because dominican men don't wear shorts yeah that's and, true and so like they would, you know, if you want to, I guess, blend in or, or, or be cultural specific, it, it's uh, not in bad taste or bad form. It's just, it's just part of y'all's culture that the men wear pants year round. Yep. So yep. yep. So um, that, that's, that is part of the culture. And usually if he's wearing a shirt, he's either a foreigner or he's going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> um. So and and you you grew up that way, is it even as a kid? Like you you didn't we yeah. didn't wear shorts unless you were going to the beach or something like that. That's, That's correct. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, man, growing up in Texas, that's pretty much my and and my my children are also hot blooded like me too. So like it's like sixty degrees, and if they wear pants, they like overheat. So yeah, they have to wear shorts. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um. Well, that that was the that was the rapid fire. This or that, Rab. Just a couple of fun little questions, just to kind of uh, kind of go through here and everything. So, uh, going on to our next segment, and again, I I want to uh, well before we get to that, there were a couple of things I want to talk. I'm, first of all, I lit up the I lit up the midnight, and uh, I'm smoking that now. And man, it is a like you said, it is a. I mean, it, obvious from the tobacco side, obviously that the, it it's a completely different blend. Um, and, uh, I know we talked about how full bodied it is and everything, but, um, and the, and it is, it's so the, the flavors are so dark and, and robust. There's a lot of, I'm getting a lot of coffee, but I would say that the pepper, the peppery spice 
was a little bit more prominent in the harvest than it is in this one. This is just more of a, a I guess, a denser smoke, if that makes yep. sense. Um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying this as well. Um, um, so far, like if I'm judging just where I am in the cigar, I definitely liked the harvest a little bit more. Uh, but this is very good. This is very good. I'm really enjoying Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have the feeling that the midnight is going to be more popular than the harvest just because of the color of the wrapper, because people usually like darker colors. But everybody should give it a try to the harvest. The harvest is, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're both very special. And, you know, it took, took us a lot of time, you know, to come up with, with both of the blends. But that harvest, that's my everyday smoke right, right now. It used to be Buffalo 10. I just switched to harvest. It's just such a good cigar. Now, um, the uh and 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 they're both going to be you said they're hopefully will be uh shipping out here in the next couple of weeks they're both going to be released at the same time is that correct yes yeah okay and uh they come in um two sizes right two Box sizes press? only yeah. yes okay yeah. and and i know they're i mean the 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 buffalo 10 is the the greatest deal in the world cuz i mean they're i mean insanely priced incredible deal but these aren't these aren't expensive cigars either i mean they what the retail on them is like what 1050 something like that for the for the midnight and for the harvest uh i oh my i should know but i think it's nine it's gonna oh, wow. be the msrp on, okay. on it yeah yeah i mean so even better i mean i mean that's a that's a heck of a that's a heck of a price on this as well, too. I mean, that's that's fantastic, especially when, though. I, and I know you were at the trade show, so you saw this. I mean, a lot of the the trend this past year, we we were noticing is is like all everyone like was putting out new releases, and it would seem like you know twenty, twenty five, thirty dollar cigars. And uh, so uh, when I when we got to your booth, I remembered it was around nine, ten bucks or whatever, and I was like, man, that that's such a breath of like, fresh air because <laughs> everything's just so everything's so expensive, but. This goes into the fact that Artista, Tabacula Artista, you guys do everything. You guys, yeah, have we farms, are everything. one of the few vertically integrated companies. And uh, let me, I like, I don't know if tomorrow we're gonna release a twenty or twenty-five or thirty dollar cigars, but if we ever do that, it will be a cigar that is gonna be really worth that amount of money. It mm. needs to be a really good cigar, and not only a really good cigar. It needs to make sense. Like it needs to, like the cost needs to be very high in order for us to justify such a high price for a cigar. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um. So the um, and I know one of the reasons why the Buffalo Ten is so reasonably priced is because you guys didn't do boxes. You guys did the 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 mazos that we've that we've talked about before. So again, we've had the Maduro, we have the Connecticut, which you know, as you know, I'm a big fan of, and the Natural as well. The uh, are are there any plans to expand the Buffalo Ten into other other wrappers, or you guys think you're done at the at the three? We we are like we don't. I don't want to close that door. You know. Sure. Uh, we we've been talking about it. Uh, maybe maybe in the future it's not gonna be next year, but but maybe in the future we'll we'll come up with something new for the Buffalo Ten uh, series. Absolutely. I um I've just I've really I've just really enjoyed uh, this particular blend by you. I I have 
I said this last time I had you on the show, said this at the trade show when I saw you, said this at the Great Smoke when I saw you again. I'm just a I'm just a huge fan of it. I think it's I think it's obviously it's one of the best deals in the market. We just talked about that, but it's it's not just a five dollar cigar though. That's the thing. I mean, it, it. I mean, like you said, you guys are vertically integrated, so you can you can afford to make it less expensive. It is less expensive for you, um, and so you pass that savings on to the customer, which is terrific. But, um, but the tobacco is just such incredibly good quality. I mean, it's. I mean, um, was there a talk when you guys were putting this together? Like, like, did you guys think at all? Like, man, maybe are we are we underpricing this at all? Like, or like, or did you guys know? Like, this this is we're going to stick to this. Uh, there were some thoughts about that, but at the end, we were sure, like, you know, like, it makes sense in all the points, so we're going to stick with that. I still get comments from from uh, a cigar shops like, hey, you're selling this way too cheap. Like, please don't even, a, pro, a, you know, like, mention your MSRP because I can sell this more expensive. <laughs> or uh, yeah for real you know and some other ones that compare the the blend with, with some other you know much more expensive cigars uh, uh yeah that, that happens all the time uh, all the time so so i i have to ask that question though raymond so is that di- is that difficult for you because like we we talk about you talk about cigar prices especially again as, as, especially the way that they're going right now with inflation and everything they're going up and yet you guys are still at a very reasonable level because you can afford to be. But does do you think that people unfairly categorize y'all as like a more value priced brand? And it certainly is value priced. But like, do you think people have like there's a negative connotation around it because they think it's I hate using the word cheap. That's what I'm trying to avoid saying. Right. But do you think there's that negative connotation around? Is that is that challenging for you guys at all? Because- uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it absolutely is. Uh, it really helps to have a, a broad portfolio. But, you know, Buffalo Tennis is our a, a most popular brand. So a lot of people know an artista thanks to Buffalo Tennis. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of a negative connotation, but I think the cigar by itself helped us to to remove that perception because you know we people say oh yeah it's probably maybe it's just another cheap cigar it's maybe even long a short filler i don't know uh but then they try and they're like oh my god like what is going on here so it kind of backfires to to that perception you know it, it becomes like oh how they were able to achieve this so it becomes interesting again yeah no i mean it really is and and you know i'm a big fan of cimarron as well um I've I've loved that uh, the uh, the cigar that I need to try I still have not gotten a hold of it I really I really need to seek it out and get it um, is the Puro Ambar and I know that's one of your I know exact I've had Exactus which is the original one that you guys brought that was really good I enjoyed that um, but I really need to try the Puro Ambar what how would how would you describe it in comparison to some of your other blends Puro Ambar is more on the medium uh, range. A, a, a flavor-wise, uh, it's, it's quite an interesting cigar. Uh, the closest you might get to a Puro Ambar that you have tried before, maybe is the Big Papi. 
Okay. The big difference is that Puro Ambar is more tending to the sweet side. Big Papi is maybe more on the on the acid side, like more on the citric side. Okay. Uh, so I'm maybe a little bit milder than the Big Papi, like okay. the regular Big Papi. Yeah. Awesome. Um. So, and I know you guys are you you guys just expanded into a couple of other. I think Sweden was the most recent country that you guys just opened up. I think this was last year. Um. So, how many countries are you guys in now? Uh, probably like 12. Uh, wow. We are shipping our for first time to Lebanon this week, actually. Oh, Lebanon. Okay. Terrific. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's, that's an interesting market. I'm sure. Yeah, um, it is. It is actually. <laughs> um, what, um, I know you've 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 been in place in in your position with the company for a lot of some of this expansion. I know you guys did a lot of private label stuff for Europe as well as the United States before, I guess, the the, the launch of uh, El Artista and everything. But um, what's been challenging about expanding into other countries like, say, Lebanon, for instance, was what was there anything was there was there any interesting challenges that you found with that? So something that we are kind of getting used to is all the regulations that are in those countries. Uh, you know, everybody complains about uh, all the threats that we have in the U.S., but my friend, in those countries are usually worse. <laughs> Lebanon, for example, uh, same as in Italy, where we also sell, uh, is monopolized by the government. So okay. in Lebanon, you have to talk to the regime, the tombax and whatever. Uh, so I'm the distributor act, uh, fiscally actually don't buy from us. We sell the tobacco, the cigars to the monopoly and the monopoly resells to the distributor. So this week I'm not shipping to him, I'm shipping to the, the regime and the regime should release it uh, after at least two weeks, uh, more or less, uh, to him for him to be able to sell it. So what does that do to the prices? Do you? I mean, do you have any idea? Like, does that does that make it more expensive? It has to, right? Uh, it has to. I don't know how, exactly how much over there, but it, it definitely does because uh, that organization is basically the importer, and you know they they mark up on, on that. Right. It's just a different way to collect taxes. Right. Well, because your prices aren't changing, so you sell it to, in this case, the monopoly. Who then yep. resells it to the distributor? So they've got to make money. Now the distributor has to make money, and then the retailer has to make money. So, wow. Um, I'd be interested to see what a Buffalo Ten costs in Lebanon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, the most expensive Buffalo Ten you can get is in Norway. Uh, in Norway, they cost around fifteen dollars. It's not. That's not awful. I mean, it's three times the cost is here. But... Three times the cost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I still am blown. You're, you're in Canada too, right? Yep. Yeah, C Canada blew, blew me away when I, when I first went. My in-laws live in Vancouver in, in British Columbia. And that blew me away when I, I saw, went into a cigar shop and I saw, uh, you know, Arturo Fuente short stories, which retail for like $7 here in the U.S., 
and they were like 30. <laughs> they were, <laughs> yeah, they're like 30 bucks. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> nuts. Uh, that's that's crazy, but fifteen dollars. So three times. So that means so that means a midnight and harvest will be about thirty in Norway. Yeah, um, I I don't know how the exactly how to calculate because weight gets involved in the equation. Um, oh, okay. These cigars are way heavier than the Buffalo Ten, so I have no idea how much it's gonna cost. Oh man, so it might even be worse. It's crazy. Oh. Oof. Man, steep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, Ram, again, I thank you so much for your time tonight. We just got a few more questions and before we uh, before we wrap up here. And uh, we've added another segment to our show, which is our uh, our Asylum Cigars uh, Moment of Refuge, which is, of course, brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Now, the the, the purpose of this particular segment, Ram, is that, you know, um, you know, we all know how how cigars are community driven. You know, the cigar shops, uh, you know, all the way from the factories, right? It's all about the people, right? And, you know, you, you smoke cigars around people all day, every day, and, and whether you're a customer or you know, an owner and manufacturer like yourself uh, of a factory and a brand. But um, but every once in a while, we have those moments where it's just kind of us and a cigar, right? Nobody else is around. Maybe you're listening to music. Maybe you're not. It's just maybe it's silence. Maybe it's at night. Maybe it's in the morning, whatever it is. And you've probably have several of these moments in your lifetime. But like what uh, if you can think of one that comes to mind, you know, tell us what that moment was about. And if you can remember, what were you smoking? So a moment that was remarkable and I wasn't smoking a cigar by myself. Yeah, when you were just by yourself smoking a cigar. Mm. Oh my, that's a really deep question. Because I'm always smoking cigars by myself, but most of the time, he's just checking emails. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So it's not remarkable when I get like a 20% discount on an email. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Is there a time so of day? Re- okay, go ahead. Go ahead, please. So it was when I went to, when I was studying in in a, in college, uh, I took this trip to to the Cimarron region, actually. Okay. Uh, I remember in a parking lot where I, you know, enjoy like the stunning views of all those mountains in that area. I think that was in Colorado, I'm most certain. And that was, you know, like one of the moments of, of my life where I realized like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do my whole life, you know, like smoking cigars, uh, learning a little bit more about, you know, my, my, my family business. Uh, that was a very remarkable moment, and I was basically by myself smoking cigar back then, and I was not drinking Jägermeister in that moment in particular. <laughs> so it was really serious. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember the cigar you were smoking by chance? No, it was just a cigar from the factory. Okay. Uh, 
I I was living in in New York in that moment, like where I was in college in upstate. So I just used to travel with a bunch of bundles uh, and and have it in my dorm. That's awesome. I uh, I think what's really great about these moments, and I, I like asking this question because sometimes the people, like you said, don't even necessarily remember the cigar. The cigar wasn't anything of of like miraculous significance. Like you said, you just had some bundles and stuff, but I think that that's, that's still like, that still speaks to the power of cigars is that it doesn't have to be this over the top special cigar. It's sometimes it's just the moment, you know, and just how. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that kind of goes to me. I mean, I'm sure I know you've been to enough shops and you've, you've had enough conversations with retailers over the years and everything you know, that have told you about moments with, with, uh, you know, Artista cigars and everything when, when, uh, when they're telling you like an, ex- when they're telling you about their experience with the cigar, you know, like, what is, what does that mean to you when someone talks about, you know, how they really enjoy it and, and when they like to enjoy it and everything like what, like, what is that? What is that? Uh, what does that mean to you? It's a, one of the reasons why I wake up every every morning to to go and do what I, what I love doing uh, it's so crazy how much impact some this commodity can bring to people. And every time I hear a story about oh yes I was uh, with a friend and he tried the uh, your cigar and uh, we became even closer after that because he really appreciated the fact that I shared such a remarkable cigar with him or anything, you know, like, oh, yeah, I just had a, a kid and I gave your cigars uh, to everybody, you know, to celebrate. Those kind of little things, man, that, that that means everything. That means everything. Just the fact that you, a special moment of your life, you decide to to share it with something that comes from, from, from your hands is something that that worth everything, man. It, it really does. I I have to imagine, like you know, in the in in the world that the cigar industry exists in, like it, it's kind of in that same realm of like people who make beer or whiskey or wine um, or even coffee, for that matter, and everything. When you know you you take the time and you you know you you literally put so much time and so much sweat and some, you know, as the expression grows, some blood, sweat and tears into like a project and everything. And when people really appreciate it, it, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, it just has to be so special. You know? Yeah. It it really is. And not only that kind of thing, like even when you meet somebody uh, and they already know about your products, about uh, what's the blend on this cigar and that other cigar, is it's just amazing you know like it makes you it really makes you feel proud of what you do definitely i was i was reading an article uh recently that um an interview that you that you gave for a print publication and uh you you quoted your father uh he had this this very very important saying that he used to say to you that said let your words be more valuable than your pocket uh because money comes and goes um, but words stay. Um, so you essentially, your father was telling you, make sure you deliver what, what you promised and everything. I mean, those are, those are some, those, I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful. I mean, that's, that's un, 
it's terrific wisdom for, for anybody. But those are some pretty powerful words, um, especially for, for anyone in business. Like, don't pay attention to the bottom line. Pay attention to what you say. Um, when your father first told you that, I mean, if you can remember, I mean, how did he tell you this as a child? Did he tell you this as an adult? Like, do you remember the first time he said something like that to you? I do remember. I was a teenager. Uh, and I misdelivered a promise I, I gave him. And that's where, <laughs> where, where when he told me that. And it, it really meant a lot for me. And maybe uh, he doesn't even know the fact that, that uh, he, those words really, really stayed in my mind. And it was not even like a big deal in that moment, you know, but that's the way he operates. And that's the way I try to operate as, uh, as well. Uh, this industry uh, overall uh, is not uh, like any other where, oh, yeah, we have uh, this deal that is going to make millions to both parties. So we have to, you know, sign this. 100 page agreement and make sure you know we comply with everything that doesn't exist in tobacco you know uh somebody comes is like hey you know like i want this tobacco yeah okay how much how much you want i want 10 containers okay deal you're gonna have it uh, by the end of the year whatever okay i'll pay you when i receive it okay talk to you later that's <laughs> that's how tobacco works no, and it really is. It, it really is. And not only small companies or mid-sized companies, even big corporations, uh, when they send the indication, it's kind of like a contract, but there's no formality on it. An indication is like where, like, hey, bear, so you have tobacco A, B, and C. I need uh, 300 tons of A, a 200 of, of B, and 100 of C. Uh, we need it by December. And that usually happens in person or, or even over the phone. And you're like, okay, talk to you later. Bye. And that's how, <laughs> how this whole industry is run. And you sh like the people that are, are being in the industry since forever, they're mm -hmm. still here because they keep their word. Sure. Uh, and, and that's, and that's how it goes. And, and I can tell you, you you know, very big names out there that that, uh, that I know that, that we make business with. That's how they operate. You know, mm -hmm. it's just a conversation that we have and we make big business just like that. And they, they trust us, we trust them, and it works. And if that trust gets damaged, the, the relationship is going to get damaged. And, you know, we'll, we'll have to move on. So it, it, it is a really, really heavy thing that, that my father teached me in that moment. Yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, that was going to, you kind of answered the question a little bit for me, but I was going to ask, I mean, have you, over the years, I mean, you've, you've guys have really made a strong move to become vertically integrated, like you said, but you still, you still buy tobacco, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, for example, from Nick, we don't grow in Nicaragua. We have friends okay. there in Honduras, Nicaragua. Uh, we buy Cameroons from the Marafels, for example. We, we oh, okay. Yeah, like from every only places where we grow is here in the Dominican and in Ecuador. If you see a okay. blend that has tobacco from somewhere else, 
it was not grown by us. It was grown by somebody else. I mean, have you, I mean, I imagine as many years as your family's been in business. And like you said, you've, if, if this happens, you, you, it goes by the wayside, but I mean, you've, you've had to have gotten burned at some point or the other, right. Where some, a promise wasn't delivered on. Absolutely. And we still do. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, more so than just the, the product not being delivered on time or maybe the product not being what it was supposed to and everything like that. But like, how, how disappointing is that? You know, notice knowing that, like you said, there's, there's no formality in this business. It's all handshake. It's all a person's word. Like how disappointing is that when you've, when you maybe have been dealing with somebody for years and, you know, they don't deliver on what they're, what they've promised for the first time or, you know, well, the odds of that to happen with somebody you've been dealing for years is kind of low. It usually okay. happens when a new business comes. Uh, that's where sometimes it gets a little bit, you know, a, a problematic. A, mm-hmm. Let's say uh, a new supplier or a new customer. Uh, so sometimes it happens. You know, it's just mm. a part of, of doing business. But again, the fact that it's such a, such a small niche market, everybody knows everybody. Mm. So that usually helps, you know, getting reference around in order to avoid any issue. Just and I, I, to give you an example, uh, last year, uh, somebody we have never heard of uh, a, came to the factory looking for one tobacco in particular. Uh, he was looking for 13 containers of the tobacco. Uh, that person is from the tobacco trading industry. So like, if I even mention his name, you probably not, not you're going to have no idea because he's basically a tobacco, European tobacco trader. Mm. Uh, so we're like, eh, I don't know, you know, like it's kind of, we don't know the guy. We never heard the guy. Like, what the hell? But we start, you know, making phone calls around. Like, hey, uh, Carrillo, for example, you, you know this guy? Hey, oh, yeah. You start, you know, arming pieces together. And you realize, okay, the guy seems to be legit. You know, we, we can open our doors to this guy because he has done good business with this guy, with this guy, and that other one. He's been successful. He has X amount of years uh, dealing with, with, with this company. So you you build your trust behind that. But you never know. You know, anything can happen. No, sure. You you mentioned uh you, you mentioned earlier in the show you're talking about when we were just talking about just buying in general, you mentioned tons and and now you've mentioned containers. Like a container of tobacco, I mean, how many how many tons is that typically? I mean, obviously tobacco has different types of weight, but yeah, it all depends. But for example, that deal was for so anywhere from fifteen to twenty tons. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but it all depends on the kind of tobacco and even how you package it. Sure. Yeah. Usually, wrapper is way less. It's probably half of that. Because the way you have to pack it, you don't want to break it. So, so you cannot press it. Interesting. The, uh, I, do you get more, I, now I'm just completely nerding out on this stuff, but, um, (laughs) 
do you get more yield out of Ecuador than you do out of your Dominican tobacco or, or like, like where, where, where do you, where yes. do you have most of the tobacco grown? Uh, so, so the yield from Ecuador is higher and it's usually around 90 to 95% wrapper. And that's why we know we, we grow in Ecuador because uh, the Ecuador is good for the wrapper. Uh, usually like even the fact that we grow Connecticut there, and we're talking about uh, around seven inch, eight inch uh, tall uh, plant versus a small tree here in the Dominican Republic. Uh, but yeah, usually the yield in Ecuador is higher. But we, most of the tobacco that we grow is here in the Dominican Republic. Fillers, fillers and binder. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as like, like, uh, you know, again, your farms there in Ecuador, do you ferment the tobacco in Ecuador or do you bring it to the Dominican to put into We do, uh, uh, we settle the tobacco there. So the curing is done there. Usually we do a short fermentation process, but we don't sort the tobacco in Ecuador. So you cannot do a full fermentation over there because you have all the tobacco sorted by priming but after priming you need to sort it in order to continue the fermentation so we do the first stage of fermentation we bring it here we sort it and and do the last stage here i've always wondered about you know tobacco is such a i mean can be such a a, a sensitive product you know even shipping cigars the finished product you know let alone the actual raw tobacco leaf is it, is it, is it, I mean, obviously you guys have figured it out, but I mean, is it difficult sometimes transporting tobacco from say another country like Ecuador to the Dominican? Um, is it, is that, is that challenging or you guys have just perfected it over the years? I mean, how long have you had the fields there? Uh, we have probably more than 10 years. No, okay. I don't know exactly. But we know we're dealing with Ecuador. Uh, and we don't only use our farms. We also buy from different farmers over there. Right, right. And it is a big challenge, mainly because since the tobacco is not 100% fermented, it means there's more moist inside the tobacco. So condensation could be an issue in some times of the year. Uh, basically, if you don't know what you're doing, uh, the high temperatures of the container it's going to make the water of the tobacco evaporate. It's going to heat the ceiling because it's in a container and it's going to condense and it's going to fall and it's going to damage the tobacco. Mm. Yeah. So there are tricks in order to avoid that. Uh, it has cost us <laughs> to, to find the tricks, but it's one of the little things that you learn over the time. Yeah, it's always something I've been curious about because I know, you know, you guys aren't the only ones that obviously buy tobacco from other places and then bring it to wherever you are. And I've always I've always wondered about that challenge, just like how much how much you're actually giving up in some cases, like the yield of a crop itself might actually be really good. But by the time you get it, it may not it may be a fraction of what you actually initially. Looked yeah, at you need everything. to be very smart. And if you have no idea what you're doing. Pay a little bit more and send it on a refrigerator container. Boom. <laughs>
has there ever been a again i'm just i'm going down this rabbit hole ram because i'm just like i'm i'm genuinely curious about it have you ever had a situation where i mean mold is a huge deal in tobacco have you ever had a situation where you've 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 brought in tobacco from another country and it, it you weren't able to catch it and it, it it actually had disease on it like mold or something like that absolutely absolutely and still happens every now and then you know Obviously, that that particular container or pilon or or bale or whatever is infected. But does it has it ever gotten so bad to where it affects some of the other stuff in your already that's already in your factory? Uh, no. Usually, we we you have to inspect the tobacco when 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 it gets to your to your warehouse. First thing you have to do is to fumigate just to make sure there's no cigar beetles anywhere or cigar moth if you're importing from Asia. Uh, and uh, after that, you have to inspect the tobacco. Uh, and since this is so hand oriented, you know, you're basically checking every single leaf, you're gonna realize if there's a problem or not. Oh man, that's what, what if what kind of tobacco have you brought from Asia? Like, some you're talking about like Sumatra or Sumatra, yeah, okay, oh wow. So I'm, um, I mean, we also bring from India as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, India. I'm not that interesting. India is more scraps, like for machine made and and short feeders. Oh, okay. Yeah. What? Okay, so I'm familiar with beetles. I know what they do. Uh, what? What is? What is? What's tobacco moth? What? What? What happens when a tobacco moth gets? In? So it's basically the same. It, it just eats your tobacco out. Oh, but they're bigger, so they they eat more. Oh. Uh, yeah, but that's not a problem here in the Dominican, but in Asia it is. So so you need to make sure you know you're uh, you don't have any kind of issues with that. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go down the rabbit hole. It's just some of this stuff is like stuff that I've I've had questions about in the past and everything. Um. So, um, but uh, that kind of <laughs> leads us actually into our, our last question of the night, Ram. And uh, before we get to it again, once again, uh, I cannot thank you enough uh, for spending the time with me this evening, uh, talking about cigars, talking about stuff, uh, talking about Christmas and all sorts of things. Uh, just been real, real fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure, my friend, so, as well. Hopefully the, hopefully the kids are asleep, so hopefully you didn't miss much time with them uh, to, to, oh, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have a conversation with me. Are you at home right now? This I, I feel like this is the same place you interviewed uh, last time. It was this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm home. Okay. <laughs> out, out on your back uh, patio or whatever? Yeah. Uh, okay. I live actually in an apartment, so I'm in the. Okay. Yeah, the rooftop. Oh, nice. Very nice. And awesome. The, the reception's been terrific so <laughs> uh always worry i always worry about wi-fi uh connection and everything and heck, in my house i can't imagine you know on the rooftop of something so that's that's it's been really it's been really great so far um well terrific well this is our last question of the evening ram and as always it is our curveball segment brought to you by dunbarton tobacco and trust fastballs or curveballs it doesn't matter since the company's inception steve sock has been knocking them out of the park Seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. Uh, congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Sacco. So, uh, Ram, we've, we've talked a lot about, again, about tobacco and what you guys have done vertically integrated. You buy tobacco, you sell tobacco. 
Um, you do sorting, stripping, all of that stuff um, is all done by you all. And, and, and it obviously plays a huge part into what makes Artista cigars, Artista cigars. Um, but if there is one component of tobacco um, cultivating, let's just call it that. If, if you could, I know it's kind of impossible and that's what makes this a curveball segment, but if you could get rid of one element of that has to do with cultivating tobacco, uh, you know, make, whether it's really difficult, really hard, really annoying, however you want to characterize it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if you could get rid of one part of tobacco cultivation, what would, what, what would be the thing you would get rid of if you could? The, huh, the human error and the stigmas we have mainly here in the Dominican Republic will be the one thing that I I dream to to change eventually. Uh, Dominican is not known for for the quality of the wrapper. We we don't grow a lot of wrapper here in the country, and the main reason is is because we don't have the culture to do it. And I feel there are a lot of space for us to improve on that side. Uh, if we were able to be to handle the tobacco in a different way, uh, take better control of the staff when they're you know passing through the field, uh, taking the tobacco leaf and making sure they don't break any, which is I think one of the main issues we have, the way we do the cutting and the the process between cutting the leaf and the uh, putting it in the sarta, I don't know how to say that in English, basically needling the with a rope the, the tobacco to hang it in the in the tobacco barn. Uh that process we don't do it the right way. And it me, me, me personally have tried in some farms to change a little bit the stigma that we have, that it has to be done this way. No, it doesn't have to be done that way because that way we are killing the tobacco and we're not getting enough the the, the consistency and the quality of uh, a, uh, a on the leaf that, that we should be aiming to. So those stigmas will be the one thing that I would love to change and hopefully I will achieve it someday. That's true. That's awesome. You know, kind of sort of related, but not really just kind of a follow up curveball. You know, collaborations are a really, you know, have become a big, a big trend in this industry. We we're talking about trends earlier and everything. Um, and I know, you know, you've had a tremendously successful collaboration and partnership with David Ortiz, as we've talked about. But is there, is there anyone inside the industry? You know, it doesn't have to be the Dominican or maybe it is. doesn't matter. Uh, is there is there a, a manufacturer in the industry that you guys would that you've that you've always wanted to partner with or collaborate with? Uh, yes, and uh, we are already talking to somebody in particular that uh, on the growing side, not even on the, on the cigar side, that that we are looking to uh, make some stuff together. I still don't have a lot of details of it, and honestly, I don't even want to jinx it somehow, you know. But <laughs> I think some good things are coming. We have a beautiful project going on on the south side of the island that maybe somebody uh, from the industry is coming on board to, to collaborate on us with us on that. And I think that's going to be a beautiful project, hopefully. 
Terrific. Well, well, we're really excited to hear about that. I know. I know you guys have done some really great. Cl- you did the the Syndicato cigar. Uh, you also yep. worked with Gurkha, uh, the Don Lino uh, with Miami. Yeah, you guys have done uh, those cigars as well. I mean, so you you've girls have done a lot of collaboration. I don't want to make it sound like it's this weird foreign thing for Artista. You guys have done a lot of collaborations in the last few years, and I found Ram, and I'll I'll just say this: like you guys have you guys have knocked those cigars out of the park. Those have been absolutely great partnerships. Thank you. So Thank whatever you. whatever this dream partnership is, I hope it happens. Not trying to jinx it. I'm knocking on wood for you. Uh, just cause I, I'm really excited to see what it, what, what will happen there for you. Cause I think it'll be, it'll be awesome if, if since everything else has been terrific as well too. So awesome. Well, um, that's uh that was the last question of the evening uh ram thank you so much again for joining us tonight it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you again i always enjoy our i told you this before we started the show i always enjoy our conversations um me too man i, I really do i i learned i learned so much from i mean i learned so much from these conversations in general with everyone that i speak to every week um and i i always say that I always say that I, I enjoy different people for their different things, and, and the reason I the reason I really like speaking with you, in particular, is um, I feel like even though we, we've uh, we've had few conversations, but I, I feel like I learn something more and more every time that we talk. Um, but I also feel like uh, when I speak with you, like I'm I'm speaking with someone uh, that um, I really I really click with. And I really understand everything that you're saying. And I, I really understand where you're coming from, like what your mission is, what you're trying to accomplish. Like it all resonates with me personally. So that's why I think I particularly enjoy our conversations. Thank you, man. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. So for everyone out there, thank you so much for staying up late with us. As always, this Sunday evening, it's always a, it's always a pleasure. Uh, really appreciate Ram uh, taking time away from his family on his rooftop there uh, in the Dominican to uh, spend some time with us. Uh, keep an eye out for the Harvest and Midnight uh, as they're coming to stores, uh, hopefully in the next few weeks. Uh, um, I just, uh, I'm still smoking the Midnight and it is uh, truly ter- terrific. I'm, I'm with you, Ram. I'm, 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 if, if, if anything, I'm on Team Harvest. Uh, I thought the Midnight's exceptional. I'll be getting some of those, but you're right, man. That Harvest is absolutely money. It's terrific. Um, it definitely gets my vote, so go out and get some Harvests uh, when they hit the stores here in a few weeks, and uh, you will not be disappointed. It's a terrific cigar. But uh, for everyone out there, thank you for joining us again. Uh, check out our YouTube channel, Elos Kumar. You can also check out our Facebook page, Elos Kumar, for a calendar of upcoming guests and everything. Uh, in, in, just, uh, in just one month, we'll be doing our top 10 cigars of 2022. And I've got something really special planned for that show. We've got a couple of great guests lined up for January already, as well as well as the rest of December, including, if everything goes well, I'm not trying to jinx myself either, Ram, but on Christmas Day, special show as well so you definitely want to stay tuned for all of that hit the like button hit the subscribe button hit the download button always leave a review if possible because if you download subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts whether it be on apple Podcasts, spotify google play podbean or wherever you listen to podcasts uh, if you already are a subscriber do me a favor hit unsubscribe but don't forget to hit resubscribe because that really helps my numbers and allows me to get great people so, uh, please do that uh, but for everyone out there uh, keep those likes and shares and comments coming 
I'm Barry Duplissy, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Hazel, Texas. He's Ram Rodriguez of Artista Cigars. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time.